This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. This episode of the Best Seats podcast. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder of the Best Seats. Very excited to bring you this week's episode. Uh, this week, uh, this is currently uh, just after uh, Easter weekend that I am recording this intro. This episode features Chef Rob Wilson, executive chef and owner of Glass Bar Diner Dana Point. We recorded the podcast uh, the Friday just before Easter. I was super, super excited to get Rob on the show. He is uh, hes a friend. He's been a, an Orange County stalwart in the restaurant industry. He's done some time in some of the best uh, hotel restaurants around the area. He's been here cooking just forever. He's a native. Uh, he knows the culinary industry here better than probably a lot of different people. Um, I was very excited to have him on the show and very, very grateful to Rob for the time and taking his time out of his very busy uh day to come talk with us. I know it may sound ironic saying a very busy day in the midst of uh, all the COVID-19 shutdown, but he's staying as busy as he can, as you'll hear about on the show and kind of how he has pivoted his restaurant glass bar to meet the needs of the new market um, while everybody is kind of staying at home and restaurants can't have people in, etc. I should note that uh, I mentioned in the uh, the very first episode with Joe Cook that this podcast is kind of a comedy of errors right now. I tried to record it on a a live show online, and there's just been a lot of different technical hiccups. Uh, this was supposed to be a traditional podcast, sitting down with people, talking kind of face-to-face. Uh, they would be on a microphone, etc. But obviously, as the world has shown us, that cannot happen right now, just for different reasons, the most obvious, which being social distancing and respecting the pandemic that we're all in. So Rob did call into the show. I should note that the first minute or so of audio from our interview is missing. You're not missing much. Uh, basically, I'm just saying hello, and he's saying hello, and then I'm asking what his name is and where he's from. So you miss about a minute of audio, which I apologize for. But basically, this is Rob Wilson, uh, my friend, great chef, uh, someone whose restaurant uh, he opened just before 2020. So he's in a very interesting situation. Um, and it's very interesting to see his take and kind of hear his take on how he's adapting, what it's like to be a restaurant owner in these times, and not just a restaurant owner, but a restaurant owner who has a brand new restaurant locally, um, and kind of his perspective on being a local during times like this. So uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. This was one that I was very happy to record. I really am grateful to him, and always extremely grateful to Ali Coyle for loaning me the music, the instrumental from her first track, Trust Me, which you can check out Again, at Allie Coyle Music on Instagram and AllieCoyleMusic.com. Thank you so much, Allie. All right, let's get right to it. Again, I apologize for the audio glitch, but it is what it is. We just got to keep trucking on. My friend, executive chef and owner of Glass Bar, Rob Wilson. Enjoy. of years and the executive chef at the montage for a large number of portions of that as well and 
but I've been cooking since I was 15, grew up here in Dan Point, and uh, love to cook fresh seafood. So we decided to open uh, Glass Bar Seafood, uh, Oyster Bar, and Tap Room. Um, we've got 10 wines on tap, 10 beers on tap. Um, we've got a really cool bar. Um, we renovated the space that used to be Mahi Restaurant uh, adjacent to the harbor, and uh, we did that about nine months ago. And we opened December 13th of last year. Um, so we were open a whopping three months before the whole thing happened. So um, you're... elevated elevated seafood, uh, oyster bar, craft cocktail program, really cool um, wine list and wine program. Uh, and just trying to bring something nice to Dana Point uh, with the elevated seafood experience. Glass bar was definitely in kind of one of the more rare categories of, you know, again, a lot, of, obviously all restaurants were open at the time, but you guys had essentially just opened. I mean, you were very much kind of in your infancy, still kind of finding the footing. Um, what was it kind of like for you to hear the news, you know, roughly, let's say three months in, just for argument's sake, to be like, hey, you got to close your doors? It was almost, it was surreal. I mean, we were like, we were riding this great wave, you know, we got shot out of a cannon, um, you know, when we opened and um, we just, business was doing you know, really really good um and everything was super positive and then all of a sudden you know you're sitting here watching the, the news and you know you're just seeing closures and closures and, and all of a sudden it's like okay it, it we were kind of waiting for it to hit orange county um we didn't know what to expect so you know that monday we we were open um business was there was no business really at all um but then tuesday the order came down to uh <clears throat> to close all the restaurants to the public. And so, you know, we, we reacted pretty swiftly, you know, we got everything cleaned up and locked down. And, um, you know, I was doing some maintenance in the, in the building on that Wednesday and was just thinking to myself, what, what do I do? You know, what I've laid off 77 people. I don't have a job. None of my chefs have jobs, you know, nobody has a job. And, and, um, how can we do something to be, you know, to help the community and, and to keep us, you know, somewhat alive. And, uh, I came up with the seafood market and so far it's been pretty good. It's been really successful. So elaborate on the seafood market a little bit, cause you guys did pivot pretty quickly. Luckily you have, for people that have never been to glass bar, it's first of all, a stunning build out, but you guys have that massive, massive raw bar kind of right to the left of the front door. Um, it almost, I mean, the way the restaurant is laid out, it almost lean, like lends itself perfectly to being a seafood market. I mean, I've been there a bunch of times since, but you can just kind of walk right through and everything is clean and spaced out. I mean, did it just kind of like make sense? I mean, how did you land on seafood market and kind of what is the seafood market for those people that may not know? So, um, you know, I, as I was actually cleaning the condensers behind the oyster bar on the refrigerators, laying on the floor and looking up at the oyster bar going, I have a beautiful oyster bar. I can remove the chairs. Um, I have I have complete health code compliance with serving, you know, raw fish um, on the cases, the ice cases that I have. Um, and I was like, well, why don't we just open a market? Because there's not really any great place to get high quality seafood. And, and so I called my, my vendor. Um, I called Chip from uh, Mezzan, from the owner of uh, Superior Seafood. And I said, you know, is this, is it a supply problem or is it a distribution problem? And he said, it's a distribution problem. Every, everything's closed and I, I don't have anywhere to sell fish. And I said, and before I could even tell him what I was thinking, he's like, 
you want to sell fish out of your out of your raw bar? And I go, absolutely. I want to turn it into a fish market. And he's like, genius. Let's do it. And so with his um, with his help and his you know him being able to get me the freshest quality fish, I've been doing business with him for 25 years. And you know his business dried up in Orange County faster as fast as all of ours did. I mean, when the Ritz Carlton montage. Um, Monarch Beach Resort, Marriott, when they all closed, it's like he has no business. So um, it was more of a, a kind of like, I want to help you and help you get through this time. And I want to help the people in the local community get great products because they can't come in and have great seafood in the restaurant. So why don't we, you know, sell it to them raw and let them cook it at home? Um, and it's gone over extremely well. Uh, we've got, I just, like this morning, just got, at 9.30, got my fish order. I got beautiful Icelandic cod, fresh Alaskan halibut, fresh sushi-grade tuna, Scottish salmon, uh, U10 diver scallop, um, just, to make, just to name a few things. Um, I've been making like 10 gallons of chowder at a time and, and selling chowder by the quart and cocktail sauce for a shrimp cocktail. And So we've tried to add a couple things here and there. I've got, I teamed up with my produce vendor, and we've got, beautiful little produce boxes that um, people can pick up. It has enough produce to do a salad for a couple nights and um, starch and vegetables for a couple nights to go with their fish as well. And some herbs um, and some lemons and stuff like that. So um, really it's just, we've added on a little bit here and there. I'm working with um, Johnny at at Bread Artisan uh, Baking Company and she's doing fresh baked um, baguettes and batards, sourdough loaves. Um, She's going to be doing some freshly baked cinnamon rolls for tomorrow that we're going to be selling for Easter Sunday. And we got salmon for Easter Sunday. Were um, you, were you surprised at all by the quality fish, the same quality we would serve in the restaurant, you know, to our public. Absolutely. Were you surprised at all? I mean, again, you guys were in your infancy. You did open with a bang. Um, every time that I went into Glassboro before this all broke out, you guys were slam packed. You were actually the last restaurant I ate at before everybody closed it was you you literally launched brunch on sunday and then on monday everybody was like yeah you can't do that anymore um were you surprised by the kind of reaction from the community just because you guys were so new or do you think it was just kind of warranted based on the success you'd already had in those three months you you know i i think um i think it's twofold actually i think the support from the customers that we had um have built um over the three months um, I'm seeing those guests, I'm seeing those, they're coming into the market and buying fish because they know the quality of the fish and they know the quality of the restaurant. And, they, and so they're buying the fish from us. Um, and I also am meeting a lot of new faces and people that have never dined in Glass Bar and always, you know, they'll come and say, oh, we really wanted to, but you were always so busy or you couldn't get a reservation or what have you. And we can't wait for you to reopen, but they're in the fish market every Wednesday and Saturday, you know, buying fish. And uh, so we've built these new relationships as well as just keeping the, the other ones alive. Um, you know, I think it's been, it's people, people miss going out and it's, it's very apparent when they, when they come through the doors and obviously they're keeping the social distancing and we've got X's on the floors and everything, but people just, people want to be social and they want to talk and they want to, and they want to, you know, sit down and have a drink, but unfortunately we can just give it to them to go and you know have a little bit of social interaction yeah it's but, true I, uh, but, you know and yeah like you said we launched sunday brunch that was we were at one and done <laughs> yeah i mean so hopefully it was a good service so you can just say yeah we went out with a bang it was great <laughs> it was a great service actually <laughs> 
Um, it was kind of funny that the first time that I went down, I think the day you launched the seafood market, um, you know, I remember like before you would go out to a restaurant, right? Friday night, like tonight, if you're standing waiting for your table, almost like maybe you get a drink at the bar, but you're not really talking to the other people waiting for their tables, things like that. Everybody, it was almost like social distancing before it was cool. Um, but mm-hmm. standing in that line for your seafood market, everybody was talking, everybody was socially distantly talking, but like dogs were kind of running around, like you could hang out, like everybody was keeping their space, but th- there wasn't a single person that was silent. Everybody just wanted to talk. Everybody wanted to interact. Everybody missed it. You could tell how much people missed it. If, Absolutely. if this all ends tomorrow, right? We Saturday morning comes around. Hey, we got a cure. It's gone. Fantastic. What does that look like to you i mean have you even had time to look that far ahead and be like what does the future hold because i know there's a lot of chefs out there that have said that i don't know if we can ever go back to the way it was even if we do open it's going to be a soft like there's still going to be socially distanced tables etc do you have you given thought to kind of what the future holds does the seafood market even stick around in some capacity yeah so um i have put a lot of thought to it um and we've got a lot of great feedback from from the customers that keep coming back for seafood and 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 a lot of our investors as well. And they're like, wow, this is a really cool idea. You might want to think about keeping keeping it going. And so we've toyed around with the idea. I, I've got a couple ideas that um, I probably don't want to say to the public just as of yet because it's not solidified. But yeah, we're toying around with uh, keeping this thing alive possibly and, uh, and moving into, you know, what could be a really fun thing to do, you know, a few days a week and, and uh, we still want to open for brunch <laughs> every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, you know, what the future looks like is, I mean, obviously we have to wait for this whole thing to, to you know, blow over. But once it does, you know, I, I have, you know, the team that, that we have and the team that we've assembled in the past, and, you know, they're all waiting and kind of, you know, frothing to come back to work. Um, and we're excited. You know, we want to, yeah, if we have to put less tables out on the patio, then we'll do that. If we have to seat every other table in the dining room you know, we, we've got we've got almost eight thousand square feet so social distancing and you know with the use of my private dining room I, i've got lots of table space so you know if we had to seat only half the restaurant you know or everybody's six feet or so apart we could definitely manage that you know yeah you as do have a lot opening, of space go- that's true. Yeah, and as far as opening, I mean, I'm I'm just starting to write my new my summer. Like, <laughs> if I was to open tomorrow, I would have to, um, I would probably tomorrow I would probably use my existing menu. But um, having, you know, knowing that we're not going to be open for probably another at least three or four or five weeks, maybe even longer. Um, you know, I'm, I got to get my summer menu into play. So that's something I'm, I'm working on right now. So one of the things, obviously, before this all broke out was everybody, you always want people to come to your restaurant. So how do you do that, whether it's through marketing, whether it's your social media, uh, you know, choosing great public relations people, et cetera, however you're doing it, you know, kind of speaking directly to people who are listening kind of to the show now and will be listening to it later when it goes up on podcast, YouTube, et cetera. What's your pitch kind of directly from the soul? Because they're not coming to the standard restaurant. Obviously, we all know that. But to come to the seafood market and to support kind of where they can why Why should people leave? Why do they need to come out? Why do they need to do that? I mean, obviously, kind of I understand where it lies. I know the importance of it. I know how much it helps. Um, what would kind of what would what would you say directly to the people who are coming through those doors or or thinking about coming through those doors? Well, I think you know obviously it's very you know people are 
having to cook at home with the, or they're having to do the, you know, curbside pickup or, you know, DoorDash or, you know, whatever. Um, I think people are challenging themselves. I see, I get a lot of posts from a lot of our guests that say, you know, this is, this is the best seafood we've ever had. And, and I cooked it, you know, not me, them. And I, I just give them little tips and stuff. So, I mean, for, for people that come to the market, just understand that, you know, we, we want them to come in, keep social distancing and wear a mask and grab some cocktails to go and grab some beautiful fresh fish and then go home and, and take care of your family, you know, and, and eat healthy. And, you know, for, for us, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're priced under market, under a supermarket, you know, I'm not trying to price gouge anybody. Um, we're just trying to do something that's going to keep our community fed um, and happy with quality seafood while, you know, while, while they're on lockdown at home. So, so that's a kind of an interesting one that you said that you're not trying to price out anybody. One of the things that I've seen, at least kind of from my perspective in this whole thing, is the unbelievable sense of community. Um, chefs coming together for different events, chefs kind of supporting one another where they can, people helping out kind of however they can, spreading the word, doing, you know, whether it's just from a marketing standpoint, trying to help people out, set up, you know, the GoFundMes or different companies donating to things. Um, have you kind of noticed that as well? Kind of that sense of community, like, because obviously I'm, I'm a firm believer that a high tide raises all boats and as many people that can make it to the other side of this thing is only better for everyone else. Um, competition breeds success. And again, if this thing goes away tomorrow and everybody gets to reopen their doors, have you kind of felt that as well? That kind of sense of community? And do you think that once this thing goes away, is that support system of chefs kind of supporting each other going to stick around or does it get competitive again as it should in some respect? Well, I, I think it's, you know, one of the things is as chefs, we've always, we, at least in my world, we've always supported each other, you know, and, and we never want to see any of us fail. Um, we're always trying to, you know, I, I go out to dinner and I dine at my friend's restaurants and I do it because I want to support them. Um, so I think that that strength of community, as far as like culinary community, I think it's it's strong. You know, when you go to do one of the last things we did before we had to shut down was we did the table for ten. Um, yep. And the, the, you well, you were there. Yeah. Um, the sense of com- the sense of community when there's that many chefs in a room is we're all high fiving each other. I mean, not anymore, but you know, we're all high fiving each other. We're giving each other hugs. Like it's just like it's it's good to see your friends. You yeah, know, it was awesome. And you, and you and you want everybody to to succeed. I, I mean, I want my next door neighbors to succeed, succeed as much as I hope they want me to succeed. Um, so I think a sense of community is is there with, with with chefs. And then as far as supporting, I mean, we're the first people. We're the first people that charities and so on and nonprofits call for support, you know, and we're, we're, we're always there, you know, doing this, you know, make a wish foundation, if it's a national liver foundation, kidney foundation, you know, there's a million of them out there, you know, and the chefs are always the first one to be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's support, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, and I think the community, you know, I mean, just from what I get from the guests and the patrons that are coming into the market, overwhelmingly it's god we can't wait till you're open again we, we just can't wait yeah. you know and we're just we, we you know the first sentiment is are you okay and it's like i'm alive i'm here i've got beautiful fish and i have a beautiful restaurant so let's let's you know grab a cocktail to go and cook some great fish you know yeah <laughs> like, yeah absolutely you know i mean i, I think that when when the, when the snap back 
comes around, I think it's going to be, I think the community will be stronger for it. Um, I think we'll all bond together and say, wow, we, we managed to make it through this and, um, and we're on the other side and now let's, let's get back to business, you know? So there's, of, a, there's always friendly competition between restaurants, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you given thought to kind of, God forbid, you know, everybody reopens, COVID-19 goes away. Something like this happens in the future. Have you given any thought to, and I know that this is going to be a conversation held by chefs and restaurants for a long time, probably for the rest of our lives. Uh, there's probably no right answer immediately anyway. How to better prepare for this again? Is there any way to currently do it? Um, I know it's kind of an open conversation. A lot of chefs are, you know, some chefs are going all the way to Capitol Hill. People like Tom Colicchio are really getting loud and things like that, calling for change. Um, David Chang has been really outspoken about a lot of it, which has been very interesting to see. Have you thought about, you know, God forbid this happens in the future, is there any kind of change that you see restaurants being able to make to, you know, whether it's not having to fire everyone and only firing? I mean, again, there's no right answer and kind of no right way around it, but is, has that crossed your mind and have you given any thought to kind of that? You know, I, ha I haven't put a lot of thought to that, um, to be honest with you. I've, I've been keeping myself pretty busy um, and occupied with the market. Um, so I'm, I'm really like, I, Every morning I wake up, I'm like, okay, today's a new day. What are we doing? Well, today I'm going to go down and clean and then I'm going to disinfect and I'm going to, you know, clean the whole restaurant top to bottom and then I'm going to get ready for the market tomorrow. Um, but as far as, as far as, you know, if something like this should happen again, I mean, yeah, we need, you know, in the, in the hospitality industry, we need, you know, we need to have the support, you know, and I've signed a majority of those petitions, you know, that have gone around and, um, because it is, it's, it's sad. We're kind of all just left out there in the cold, you know? Um, and God forbid it ever happen again. I mean, that would, you know, that could be the blow that, you know, if they say, you know, 75% of restaurants are not going to make it or whatever the statistic is, you know, the next time around, it'd probably be even higher. Yeah, it could be know? devastating. Because sure. I just don't think that we could do it. I mean, we're, we're hoping to get some bailout money and we're hoping to get the, you know, the paycheck protection plan and, we can get our employees back on payroll and, and start paying people and having, you know, somewhat of an income. Can I ask right you, now, can I ask you an honest question? Not as serious. How goddamn long does it take you to clean 8,000 square feet? <laughs> so, uh, it takes a long time. <laughs> I start in the kitchen and, and then I work my way out through the bathrooms and then go through the bar and go through the oyster bar it takes a long time. I, I mean, I'm down here by myself uh, when the market's not open. I'm down here literally uh, cleaning, you know, just cleaning. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's all for the best. I mean, you have a big shell and, you know, it, it gets dusty and, you know, it gets, you know, the floor needs to be mopped and things got to get done. So you just got to hunker down and do what you got to do. Uh, it takes me a better half of a day. That's like a lot. Six, eight That's hours. A lot. That is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of cleaning. But I'll do things I'll do things while I'm cleaning, like I'll make chowder. So I'll make like ten gallons of chowder and while that's being ice bathed and cooled down, um, you know, I just start mopping and cleaning and you know. So kinda of work work your way around it. So what are the what are the hours for the seafood market? If somebody's listening and they want to go down there, it's uh what are you doing? Wednesdays and Saturdays right now? 
so right now we're doing Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, Wednesdays are one to five, and Saturdays are uh, twelve to four. Um, and then today we're actually open today for Good Friday. And we figured we try and sell some fish on Good Friday. Yep. Um, so we're open twelve to four today. Um, and uh, yeah, we're not trying to flood the market. We're just trying to get people some beautiful local, you know, local and fresh fish as much as we, you know, a couple of days a week. And Saturday we sold out and hour and 45 minutes and there's so, a line around the building so, so if somebody's listening they're, they're, to this right now they're thinking about early. running down what do you what's your favorite thing that you have in right now you got i know you had branzinos last time i was in there that were beautiful and those sold out fast <laughs> yeah you, i tried you, to get more branzino I, I couldn't get any more branzino um i was really excited about getting oysters in today and they didn't show up so i'm kind of bummed on that um because they've been very difficult to get yeah um beautiful absolutely stunning alaskan halibut um Beautiful Icelandic, fresh Icelandic cod, um, sushi grade tuna from Fiji. It's 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 all beautiful Scottish salmon. That's great. Um, you know, I it's all it all looks beautiful. I just I just spent the last, the last two and a half three hours cutting fish. So, well, look, I know that you are opening up at noon, as you said, for Good Friday today. Um, I hope you guys sell a lot of fish. I hope you sell out completely. Um, I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing doing well, staying in good spirits, and obviously staying healthy and and socially distant so absolutely i don't want to hold you up i want to let you get to it obviously uh rob thank you so much for the time man um if people Thanks, want to Robert. find if people want to find you online anything like that instagram uh instagram uh at chef rob wilson or at glass bar dana point perfect and for those that are watching on twitch right now i did drop the website into the twitch chat and that'll be on the youtube channel description as well as the podcast once it goes live so chefs thank you so so much for the time man i really appreciate it Thanks, Robert. Have a great day. All right, be good, man. Take care. was chef rob wilson executive chef and owner of glass bar and dana point rob thank you so much for being on the show i'm extremely grateful for the time that he gave us um if you are in the area please go check out the glass bar seafood market he has some really incredible products down there um and i'm trying to say that as unbiasedly as i can i have shot there a couple of times and obviously he's on the show so take it with a grain of salt if you wish but having been there a couple of times and bought stuff from him his quality is really really top notch and it is really refreshing um not only to be able to try and support people but if you're cooking at home which obviously all of us are unless you're doing takeout um it's nice to have great ingredients to cook with so thank you to rob and his team for putting all that together and thank uh thank you for the time today rob so i hope you enjoyed this episode um as always thank you to ali coil for the music thank you to all of the people who support on patreon and make this show possible each and every day i apologize again for the audio glitch i promise you that the show will only get better it will only continue to improve you have my word to it I am committed to this 100%, bringing you the best stories from around the Orange County and Southern California hospitality community, the stories that need to get told directly from the mouths of the people who are living them and experiencing them and creating them every single day. Thank you to everybody that listened. Uh, next episode, I'm going to be featuring Chef Trevor Kochek. I'm very excited about that one. He has some brand new stuff in the works with Brewery X up in Anaheim, so be sure to check that episode out when it premieres pretty soon on a podcast service of your choice. Ideally, it'll be up on all of them soon. If it's not, I promise I'll work on it. Again, reach out to thebestseats.com slash contact if there's a podcast service that you want me to try and get the show on, and I will do my very best to do so. Thank you so much, and I will see everybody very soon. Take care.
The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in the Liso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash thebestseats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Katie Cassie, Eric Lutz, Serena Warino, Talia Samuels, Cheryl McCarthy. Thank you for your support.